It is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist. Remember, if you are overwhelmed by this healthcare system, feeling underappreciated by this healthcare system, and you've just been looking for a voice reason, you have found it. This week, I have a special guest, and it is really bringing me back uh, to my medical education roots. Uh, and it's it, there's a problem that no one really talks about. I think it's known within our community, but like the general public doesn't really understand uh, the struggle of trying to supply uh, an ever-decreasing supply of physicians here in this workforce, especially here in this country. And I'm talking with Kyle now, who has an amazing organization, and we're going we're gonna to get into his business to try to figure out, one, why he figured out, hey, I need to step into this void, and what he's been doing to try to help answer it. So again, Kyle, thank you for uh, joining the Medicine Mondays, and for my podcast listeners, my Lunch and Learn podcast listeners, um, I definitely think this is a conversation that you're going to want to be able to take in especially if you have friends, family members um, who are in the healthcare field, trying to get in the healthcare field and kind of have that wall of like trying to get in. And it seems to be difficult. Again, Kyle, thank you for uh, joining. Uh, thank you, Dr. Barry. I really appreciate it. So if for, for those who, and I obviously I'll put your uh, bio in the description, but I got a lot of my, my video watchers and my podcast listeners, they don't, they, they, they zoom right past this and they just always try to get to the nitty gritty. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. And then I want, I want to talk about your organization and do, am, am I pronouncing it correctly? Is it AM opportunities? Like how do, how do I pronounce it? Cause I don't yep. like no, That's correct. That's correct. With the opportunities in there, you got it right. <laughs> okay. perfect. <laughs> so t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my, I mean, I, I started as a pre-med student about 15 years ago and as a pre-med student, I was really active with extracurriculars, running an exchange program. And at the time as a pre-med student, it was actually for international students, um, international medical students that wanted to do research. And interestingly, um, over the few years that I was running the exchange, I, I stumbled into this, this, this great problem where international medical students were all trying to come to the United States. And I, at the time, was wondering, you know, there's so many places that you may want to go. What, what, what's the real pull? And all of my friends were telling me, well, I started learning that 27% of U.S. physicians are internationally trained. And at the time, I was thinking about going to medical school, and I really just started getting really passionate about helping global community, uh, where I started an organization to do more. Uh, and over time, I realized, you know, that was a calling, and I found a few few colleagues to start the organization and, and really build it from the bottom up. And I would say 10 years later, uh, the mission's still the same. Um, I, since then, I, I've, I've gone and got my MBA, um, and I've, uh, I still feel my calling is medicine, but I feel like the calling is to, to, to facilitate health. And, then, and that's kind of where the organization falls now, where you know, our, our mission is access to education, where at the time and still today, international medical students, they, they need to get into our system by finding clinical training. So I'm sure you know, Dr. Barry, as a program director, getting into a medical residency is when you get that first job. Well, the international medical student, the IMG, the graduate, they they need these clinical rotation blocks prior to that to enter into residency. And interestingly, while it was a smaller, I mean, it was a big problem at the time, what we're finding today is that it's not just the international student. It's 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 every medical student, and it's actually nursing students, PA students. Uh, they all are having issues finding that clinical training. And 
it's uh, part of it's because of the pandemic uh, with hospitals and clinics having less space to host students. But uh, I mean, clinical training really is getting into on the job, working with a physician, learning what, say, cardiology is like or pediatrics. And I'm sure, as you know, that's that's how a, a student learns uh, outside the classroom. So that's that's really where the organization has gone. And, and that's kind of where I started. You know, what, what's interesting, especially, and like I said, I was uh, very excited, like when you kind of came across my desk and I was like, ooh, this is, this is very important because I remember a lot of the struggles, even when I was a pre-med student and even trying to decide like, all right, where am I going to go to medical school? Like one of the, the negative caveats that they would use against going to medical school outside of country is like, hey, like, yeah, your first two years are good. You know, you can do your basic sciences. But when it's time for you to come back and try to do a residency, good luck, because trying to yeah, find a yeah. spot, even as a medical student, on where you can do your rotations, which for, for those who may not know, uh, a part majority of medical schools kind of do it like this. The first couple of years, you do some basic sciences. In your last couple of years, you're actually in the field. So imagine mm-hmm. doing your basic sciences, and when it's time to get in the field, having nowhere to go. And that was like a, a, a negative sell against it, right? When people was like, oh, don't go out there. Like, how are you going to find a spot? And like, because I, I remember like vividly. So it was very interesting that not only does your organization say, hey, I, I see this problem that I don't think a lot of people know. And I, and I definitely want to touch on, you know, this aspect, even with the nurse practitioners, PAs, because yeah, as yeah. you're talking and as you talk about rotations, it's not just, you know, uh, medical students who need these rotations, Pretty much majority of people who are in the allied health field or in the healthcare field in general need rotations, need to get on the ground uh, boots wise uh, to get that experience and more importantly to pass. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Like, like imagine your school saying, hey, if you don't get two rotations in OB-GYN and three rotations in um, internal medicine and two rotate, like imagine they, they got this check mark list, but that same school says, hey, it's on you. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's, 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 it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> I, I think it's that's unfortunate a- that that's where it's come to, but it's, uh, I mean, we have a, a global healthcare shortage. Mm-hmm. The U.S., of course, has its shortage, and you see more and more schools, you know, being built in classroom learning, but the limiting factor is ends up being the training, just as the residency slots. That's a big barrier. Well, another big barrier is, especially with the proliferation of online learning, where a lot of new medical schools can increase their class sizes, but you need to have a, a preceptor, a doctor to teach each one of those. And that's, uh, yeah, I, I'm hearing the pain. I mean, it, it's, it's always so daunting and scary when you hear those students that are about to graduate and you're right, they, they need an ob rotation to graduate and they can't find it. And the school says it's on them. It's, 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 it's scary and unfair. And that's, that's where AMO are. We we're actually about building clinical rotations. So when we go, around the country, we recruit clinics and hospitals. And what we tell them is, look, we wanna bring the value back into this. So we call ourselves clinical training as a service, where if you work with our learners, we'll take the work out of your hands, handle all the credentialing, do the work so that really it's, it's much easier on you. You can focus on your patients. But then when we go to the schools and the students, we pretty much are providing them the student services that their school would provide in terms of before, during, and after the rotation, helping them find their letter of recommendation at the end, making sure they have housing because I'm sure, as you know, yeah. students have to travel a lot of the times, you know, the, yeah. the home schools will have their rotations, but if, if a student wants to go from Iowa to say Minnesota, 
um, they're going to have to find housing. And just as the international student has these issues, it's, uh, it's unfortunately growing into the, the, a lot of the domestic students here in the U.S. too. When, when you first started out, uh, the, the organization, was the, was the slant towards, especially because of your background, was the slant towards focusing on the international, international medical students? Was that just something you were already kind of familiar with or you, you saw that the void was there? So you said, I'm going to go after them first. We were working with a lot of U.S. medical students, and it just so happened that the international medical student had the hardest time. Most U.S. medical schools at the time had the rotation, especially if a medical school had its own academic medical center. Um, well, fast track now, uh, we started helping more and more U.S. students about, I would say, five years ago. And it was actually interesting because it wasn't the students coming to us. It was actually the schools where universities are realizing they have their enrollment numbers. They have students in their, you know basic sciences that they just don't have rotations for a year or two years or three years, especially those schools that are trying to increase their enrollment sizes to address the shortages in their areas. You know, new school pops up in rural America where we need, we need these doctors the most. It's also very hard to find those doctors in America to train. So, I mean, it definitely started internationally. And that's inclusion. And, and a big piece of what we did to them, that having a diverse set of learners actually increases many different things like better patient care, better outcomes for your, your existing learners, and, and just a long list of things. So really, when, you, when we started with the international students and started bringing all these other learners from all their places, it wasn't like we were talking about different types of learners is all it was all the same mission and that's that's what gets me excited about what we do is that we really stand up for our students when we build these rotations and i think that's part of why we've found a lot of success in the last few years what has been some of the hurdles and trying to bridge the gap of getting the the student who needs a rotation and either finding a rotation or a location that says, hey, we need students, but we don't know where they're at. What's been some of your, the biggest hurdles, I guess, in, in your journey? Oh, um, I think the first hurdle was the unfortunate hurdle of, it, of really convincing places, pockets in the United States that had, have never seen international students before, convincing them that, look, you really want to work with, with these students. I mean, we know that, so 41% of primary care in the United States is internationally trained. I mean, it's it's a lifeline to our physician workforce. So when you go to a hospital and convince them, you know, look, I know you have some staffing shortages. The first hurdle was that. I think over time things have gotten better, even with some of the, you know the changes over time and things. It's really it's, it's I think it's more known in the healthcare ecosystem that that's a need. I think the second challenge that we ran into was the hardest part of what we do is actually finding the rotations. Um, there's a reason why the schools are having difficulty. And of course, there's a reason why the students do. It's because there's a real scarce amount of rotations that actually what we have learned, the bottleneck is in terms of the administrative efforts. So look at the typical hospital. I mean, maybe you have a couple hundred physicians, but you have maybe one to five administrators that do all of the paperwork for the students too. So 
that was kind of the second piece where we came in and said, look, we, you know, we can, we can, we can break these barriers down with technology. So our students are using our platform to submit all of things. And then we also use our services to tell the hospitals that we are pretty much an extended staff for your, your hospital to, to bring these students in. But those were the, I would say the first two big hurdles. I think the third one now is that and it's another unfortunate um, inequity is that medical students and medical schools are actually used to paying for rotations, whereas a lot of the nurse practitioner programs, physician assistant, they're really not used to it. So while they know they have to pay right now, what ends up actually happening is you have some hospitals that may say, you know, I'm getting paid for these med students and not for these. Yep. There are, there's a long list of things that can go wrong with that in terms of differential learning, um, turning students away. So, I mean, we having AMO in the middle right now, I think it's really about finding ways to solve that as well. And, that, and that's probably going to be my next follow-up because I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm on, I've been on that side. So I know this aspect of when, when a school comes to your hospital, it's not just a kind of pat on the back, nice little handshake, high five. It's usually a check gets written. And since a check is getting written, please take this certain number of students along with the check that's being written. And I know that that's a significant hurdle. If you're just a an independent medical, again, think about this. If you're an independent medical student, and you need a spot or a nurse practitioner or PA and you need a rotation spot, not realizing that, wow, like my school is typically the one that has to, you know, write a check for me to rotate here. But since the school says it's on me, like, like, what do I do? So yeah, that was definitely going to be my next follow-up question as far as, you know, that, that hurdle of costs, especially mm -hmm. on the student side. Like, mm -hmm. like, how does a student come in and, you know, be able to get in with AMO, AM opportunities and be able to kind of link up with some of these hospitals and facilities? Yeah. I mean, in terms of the cost, it's about sharing the value. And, and what we've seen is that medical schools are typically hiring staff and using the tuition dollars to, to basically pay for these things as if they pay their faculty. I mean, just think of, you know, if you have a teacher at your university, you would assume, yeah, we're paying this teacher to teach me. But it, it gets a little difficult when the student has to get a pocket. And that, I would say, is when the school has the ability to. One thing about the international schools that it does help in a bit is that a lot of international medical schools are free. Um, and students typically save expecting to have to pay for extracurricular activities mm. and things outside like research and things. So there's a little bit of a budget in that, which, I mean, we can talk about the USMLE test prep and all that, those costs, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but from the U.S. medical student side, we, we really have, I think that that really falls on the schools more because they're the ones, I mean, U.S. medical education is the most expensive and the schools do have the ability to pay for this. So that's, that's where we're able to take the, the value in, in that area, which Ultimately, our grand vision is to put the cost on the healthcare systems um, because the full continuum here is they're the ones that have the shortages and they're the ones that ultimately are going to have to pay a few years later to find these, these physicians that they trained. So what we're starting to see in the nursing markets is really a, a shared tuition model where healthcare systems are saying, you know what, we'll pay for this 
as long as we get a first dib at that that health you know that healthcare worker to stay at our hospital. And ah, I think okay. nur- nursing's a little different because obviously you know you graduate, you can you kind of can work right away after you, you finish your exams. You know, I'm, I'm, of course you know, I mean the residency programs and things that it takes a little longer for the hospital to bring the physician back if they wanted to, unless they got accepted at that residency program. But ultimately, if you look at this as a, a 10-year thing, the cost should eventually fall in the healthcare system to train um, those that eventually work there. But that's kind of a long-tailed answer to your, you know, the, how, are we, how are we looking at costs? You know, and I think that's interesting, especially as 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 we move into kind of the because the, the, the hospitals benefit, right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as if they don't benefit from having, and I, I don't want to call it free labor, but having the labor on hand to learn, to support. Um, I, I know there's plenty of hospital systems around that just getting a residency system has got them from being in the red uh, to being in the black from a budget really yeah, standpoint, yeah. right? So that's a lot of money in medical education. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of times it gets kind of bottlenecked in that administrative aspect, which is why you see more schools pop up, but not more. And 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 I'm, obviously, I'm a program director, so I've I've dealt from the the residency crunch. And you mm-hmm. kind of your 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 organization even went down further and say, you know what? There's also a medical student uh, crunch as well, and you can't get to residency until you get through medical school. So I, I love uh, just kind of the the goal and the emphasis on trying to kind of help ease uh, some of that tension. Mm-hmm. Is there certain areas? Uh, that you know your organization does better uh, in regards to geographically, like Southwest. No, is there certain areas uh, that, that yeah. your organization does a little bit better in? You know, for the international students, it's usually easiest uh, to start in the major cities. So we have a lot of our rotations in you know the top five cities in the country. But what we what we actually like to do the most is get students into rural care. Just because we know, again, 41% of international students are internationally trained doctors or in primary care. And then we also know that those are the pockets that are actually the most in need, especially when it comes to developing new residency programs. So a lot of times when we start working with a student or with a hospital, um, they're actually looking to build a residency program and they want to get their physicians in a teaching ecosystem. So to your, to your question, I'd say the top spots usually are the, the cities just because there's more supply of training but what we find the 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 biggest successes are always in rural rural america and finding um you know maybe 100 miles outside the city where there's one obigine doctor with you know within 50 mile radius Mm -hmm. uh that's the the best place to usually put the students and i think from the u.s side as well that's what we're seeing where we, we work with a lot of uh osteopathic schools and a lot of osteopathic schools have multiple campuses so they're typically trying to get their students to go into places that are also uh in those hard to find pockets so i mean it really depends on the the student i think the biggest successes would be those rural areas and then the the most we see is in those major cities now are you able to typically get majority of your rotations in those major cities like if i'm a student and you know i work with you guys Am I able to essentially stay in that city for the next, you know, one and a half, two years, or am I still kind of doing traveling kind of within your circuit? Yeah. Usually we like to keep students in the same location. So I'm sure, you know, your third year uh, of medical school or for international students, they do six years 
typically their fourth, they'll do their core rotations, which is the, the, the primary, you know, family medicine, internal medicine, surgery, peds, and OB-GYN, uh, and, and psychiatry. The students, we like to keep them in the same place if they do more than one rotation, just because I'm sure, I mean, you know, the housing, it gets mm -hmm. difficult. Definitely. But if they're doing an audition elective, so an addition would be they want to, you know, impress or try out at a residency program. Those typically are month long. They'll go to a place that they want to try out, uh, as well as the electives where, you know, students will choose. I want to do one month in this location to, 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 to add it to my resume and get that, that great experience. Electives can be in multiple places, but obviously from the student experience side and from the hospital looking to attract that talent, it is best to stay as long as possible in one place. So, so not only do you, does your organization help with kind of the core rotations, but you also help with kind of the one-off uh, auditions mm -hmm. as well? Exactly. And I think that's actually interestingly what we see actually the most of uh, from the international side. But when we come into the U.S. Uh, schools that we, we're seeing a lot more movement from, especially in the last three years, those are more, let's build a, let's build a campus within a hundred mile radius and just keep the students in that area, uh, especially when a school likes to send cohorts where if uh, I'm a medical school, well, you know, I would send maybe 60 students to the yeah. area and they would all rotate around over time, you know? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So what's, so what's, what's the overarching goal, right? Before I get you out of here, right? What is the, <laughs> the overarching goal? Like, where do you see your organization in three to five years as far as the footprint that you leave within kind of the medical education community? Well, I think it, we, the biggest thing we do is access and making it fair, equitable, uh, and, and keeping with that. And I, I, the, the vision that we have is that at a scale, at, at, at full scale with all learners on one side and us helping the health system on another, we actually get the most value out of this process because right now you have every school out there on their own, students doing this on their own, health mm -hmm. systems come to us saying we have affiliations with a hundred different schools. That adds so much cost to this piece of what's so important. So if we continue with what we're doing now and keep diversifying our learners from all areas, you know, different types of learners, you know, from all different geographics, and then also try to continue building a supply side all across the country, you really get a beautiful thing. And I think that's, that's our, our main mission. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about creating more and more access as much as we go. Now we, we, and I said, I, I know I said it before, but uh, who is your ideal client, especially from uh, the student side. And after you ask that, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll, you know, I'll get you out of here and let you know. But like, I, cause I was just thinking like, Oh, I wonder who's this, who, who is the typical person walking through your door saying, you yeah. know what, I need your organization to help me, uh, you know, get to that next level. I would say it's that passionate healthcare student that we can help in terms of, they know they want that specialty. They have a passion for medicine and they're going to work hard. So I think of course, you know, when you work with the international students, they all have that chip on their shoulder and they, they all know that this is, they have to, to work their butts off. Um, yep. And I think what we see is the ideal student really is that student that knows that it's a marathon and they have to go through. So I would say, you know, when they know what they want in terms of a specialty or they know what, what it really makes it a great experience, not only for the student, but also for the, the healthcare provider that's teaching them.
Amazing. So how 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 can a student, how can a health organization, a hospital, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, right to kind again, again, ladies and gentlemen, lunch learning community, like like I know we're like we're kind of talking over it, but like I, I can assure you that this is a significant problem that you know I'm I'm pretty sure keeps Kyle up at night uh, across the country. Um, and really for him across the world. Uh, that that really needs to be addressed. And it's it's not something you know of until you're in the system. Like you don't know it's a significant problem until you get in the system and you look around, you're like, oh, like, is this really how it goes? Like, it, it's, it's just crazy. But like, how can how can a, a student, a potential student, a pre-med, like how can someone get in touch with you guys uh, to kind of get to uh, their next destination? Well, the first step is if you're a student, you can go to amopportunities.org and you can search right away for any rotation by specialty, location, type, filter categories. And it's more a la carte for what you need. And that's where the students come to us. But if you're a school or a healthcare system that wants to work with us, typically it's reaching out to one of our partnerships teams. And that's when we really get to the bottom of what we want to solve um, and create a, a really bona fide teaching ecosystem. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. And so, and you said student wise. So again, this is a medical student, a nursing PA, a nursing nurse, uh, a nurse practitioner student, and a PA could also, um, you know, use your system. I just want to confirm. Yup. Nope. Yup. Yup. Exactly. And that's it's uh, it's just so interesting how that's growing fast. I think the the cool thing about again PA and MP two is the the health systems really want those learners around. And mm-hmm. it's interesting when you see the students having difficulty. And then the health system's having difficulty too. So yes, they, they can as well, they can as well come to the platform and find the rotations. <laughs> oh, I love it. So again, Kyle, first of all, thank you again for um, really taking on this mantle of a mission. I know it's huge. I know it's big. And, and again, I, you know, I give my, you know, my, my, my good wishes and send all blessings towards you and your organization uh, because I know that there are so many lives uh, that are affected yearly. We just, I know we just had matches few months ago that are affected yearly uh, because the lack of, the lack of a spot, the lack of knowing who can I talk to, who can I rotate with, who can be my my great OB-GYN uh, preceptor or my internal medicine preceptor uh, to make me the best clinician. So I know that's a, a, a void and a problem that's so significant. Um, especially for just those in this country, but definitely across the world. Um, so again, I appreciate you guys uh, really taking on a mantle and running with it. Well, thank you, Dr. Barry. And th- thanks for all you do too. Thank- I really appreciate it. Mm, thank you very much.